Welcome to the Global Council podcast, where we share our latest insights on recent developments in politics and policy in the UK, Europe and worldwide. Hello, this is Stephen Adams in the Global Council office in London. Uh, I'm with Daniel Caparelli, GC's practice lead for trade and manufacturing. And we're going to spend a few minutes today just talking about um, the important development yesterday in the UK's future autonomous trade policy that was the publication for the first time of the UK's autonomous MFN trade tariff schedule. Um, Daniel, just explain to us what an MFN tariff schedule is and why it's necessary for the UK to have one of its own. Hi, Stephen. Thank you. Um, well, the MFN tariff schedule is the default tariff that you pay uh, when you uh, import a good into the UK uh, that is not covered by either a preferential trade tariff uh, uh, agreed under a, a free trade agreement or by what is called a uh, unilateral preferential schemes such as those granted by the EU and in the future by the UK to developing countries uh, in the form of the generalized systems of preference or the everything but arms agreement. So the UK's MFN tariff at the moment is the, U, is the EU's common external tariff. And what was published yesterday was the tariff that will apply in the UK once the UK finally leaves the, um, the common commercial policy on the 1st of January next year. So um, tell us what the UK has decided to do. So the, uh, what the UK government has called the UK Global Tariff, as you mentioned, uh, will replace the uh, EU Common External Tariff at the end of the transition period on January the 1st, 2021. Uh, this has been the outcome of a public consultation uh, uh, by DIT, so the Department of International Trade, earlier this year. Uh, and the clear objective from the government here is to um, simplify uh, the way uh, in which the UK taxes imports uh, and at the same time uh, partially liberalize some of uh, the tariff lines um, that uh, are uh, in, in a way that better reflects uh, the structure of the UK economy. Uh, uh, and uh, UK producer interests. Now, what I mean by this is that uh, the UK government has uh, liberalized some of the tariff lines where uh, there is uh, no significant UK producer interest, uh, where it uh, assessed that uh, tier one manufacturers in the UK would benefit from uh, cheaper in, in imports uh, of key inputs, uh, and also strategically, uh, where uh, tariff lines uh, are, are not seen as uh, a potential bargaining chip in uh, negotiations with uh, third countries uh, on FTA, such as with the US. Okay, so uh, we'll, go through, we'll go through all of those three things in order, but let's just start with simplification. What, what, what does it mean to simplify a tariff and what is the UK government proposing to do? So what the UK government understands by simplification is uh, first, and I think that this is 
importantly is do away with what is known as nuisance tariffs. Uh, this means tariffs, uh, uh, according to the UK plan, tariffs uh, that are below 2%, and where the uh, income recouped is below uh, the cost of levying these tariffs. And, and, and there are a number of these tariffs, for instance, uh, in, uh, um, uh, especially in sectors and products like toys and uh, 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 that are essentially very low and serves no no purpose from a policy uh, standpoint. Uh, then you have um, a, uh, a policy of um, rounding down tariffs uh, 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 to um, um, specific bands or specific percentage bands or specific percentage levels. Uh, and this means that the UK government is uh, trying to have uh, a, a, a number of tariffs, either a multiples of two or a multiples of five or a multiples of ten, depending on on uh, the level of the current tariff uh, right now. Uh, and then finally, uh, what uh, the UK government is proposing to do is to do away with uh, composite tariffs. And by composite tariffs here, I mean uh, the um, the, the practice by the European Union to um, apply a tariff that is that at, at, at varies according to the uh, uh, level of sugar or uh, gluten or um, or milk protein and fat to specific food stuff products, uh, which in some cases means that. Uh, a good like a waffle uh, can uh, face um, uh, over 10,000 different tariffs depending on the exact ratio of these tariffs. And here, just to mention that this is by eliminating what is called under the EU system the mercing code element of the composite tariff. This is where uh, the 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 biggest element of tariff liberalization for agri-food products will take place because uh, this mercing code uh, element uh, of the tariff for certain uh, manufactured food products uh, uh, can constitute uh, over half of the tariffs that importers pay at the border currently. And presumably all the, all the tariffs have been converted from euros into Sterling. So simplification is the first part of this uh, of, of of this process. Now you mentioned an element of liberalisation. I mean, you 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 flagged the liberalisation inherent in the elimination of the Mersing Code, but the government has the UK government has gone further than that in consciously eliminating tariffs altogether on some goods. What kind of goods are they chosen, and what kind what level of liberalisation are we looking at? So. The liberalization element is, 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 is either on, on tariffs in products that the UK does not produce, but which are sensitive products under the common uh, external tariff of the European Union. For instance, uh, oranges and, and lemons, the UK has no domestic production of it, 
but uh, these uh, uh, these products uh, face very high tariffs on imports uh, from third countries into the UK because uh, uh, they were there to protect the Spanish uh, 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 producers of these of of these fruits. Um, then you have a a set of other uh, liberalization of tariffs that uh, are in part or or are in line with uh, wider industrial policy objectives in the UK. And for instance, there is uh, the elimination of tariffs on uh, wind turbines uh, and on uh, energy efficient uh, LED lamps. Uh, and that's in line with with uh, the wider commitment by the government to uh, limit uh, CO2 emissions. Uh, and then uh, finally, you have, as I mentioned before, the elimination of nuisance tariffs, which are tariffs that essentially cost more to levy than they recoup in, in money. So, okay, so there's an element of liberalization where the government detects a clear consumer input, either a, either a retail consumer or a wholesale consumer input. But you flagged at the beginning a number of areas where the government has maintained tariff protection, not so much because of a domestic interest that needs to be protected, but from the point of view of external leverage. So explain what you mean by that. Right. So, I mean, I think that here it's important to say that this is a question of inter in, inter interpretation because the government is obviously stressing that where tariffs are maintained, they're, uh, they're doing so to protect UK producer interests. But at the same time, these are also tariffs like in automotives where the government has kept it at 10% uh, uh, rate. Uh, or for instance, in key products like beef, uh, poultry and lamb, where you can see that what the government is doing here is maintaining a kind of a, a level of tariff that it can then trade uh, or, or, or exchange for concessions in trade negotiations with future FTA partners, like for instance, the US, where uh, we, we, we know that the liberalization of the UK's agriculture sector uh, to American exports is one of the key interests of the Trump administration in the future FTA with the UK. So there are areas where the UK is keeping these tariffs high uh, in the hopes perhaps that this can actually uh, facilitate the negotiation of uh, flagship agreements with uh, key uh, trade partners like the US, Australia, or, or even the EU. Uh, when the EU uh, sees itself facing a 10% uh, import tariffs in the UK for uh, German cars, uh, it might uh, be more inclined to um, uh, prioritize the negotiations with the UK on an FTA. And one, while we're in the while we're in the business of uh, attempting to interpret the government's actions. It seems to me another notable feature of the choices the government has made here is that there are a number of areas where the UK has no meaningful domestic production, very large level of consumer dependence on imports, and I am thinking here about things like toys and textiles and clothing and shoes, um, all of which are taxed at a material level, usually somewhere between 
4 and 15, 16%. Um, but they also, of course, often come from China. Um, what do you think we should make of the decision to leave those kinds of tariffs in place? I mean, I think that this is indeed a, a, a kind of a, 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 the intention here is to try to avoid the optics that you are liberalizing your market unilaterally to import from China. But at the same time, I think that, uh, and there is some merit in how the UK government has framed that, uh, which is that these tariffs are maintained in place in order not to uh, erode uh, the unilateral preferences that developing countries, uh, part of the generalized system of preference, enjoy in accessing the UK market. And I, and I think that uh, there's merit in, in, in both in, 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 in interpretations here it's both a a a a, a decision aimed at at, at not uh, uh, appearing to to accommodate China unilaterally too much or ie increase market access uh, for Chinese exports in, into the UK but at the same time also maintain the uh, level of uh, preferences uh, that some developing countries enjoy. Uh, as part of uh, the GSP scheme. So in part, it's about protecting uh, China's competitors in the UK supply chain. Um, okay, so this, this tariff obviously now isn't in force. It potentially comes into force uh, on the 1st of January next year. Um, we should probably also just specify that the UK is proposing to change its applied tariff rate. What's the implication of that for supply chain managers? Well, it means that uh, any tariff reduction that uh, the government has announced as part of the of its uh, UK global tariff regime uh, can be reversed to some extent. At, uh, 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 if 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 the government uh, chose to do so in the future, as long as they uh, remain below their bound levels at the WTO. And the bound level at the WTO is, broadly speaking, what is currently the EU's common external tariff. Okay, so important change there, obviously, for importers into the UK, whether they're importing for uh, supply to the consumer market or into industrial supply chains. Well worth understanding what the government's proposing and well worth being ready for the changes on the 1st of January next year. Daniel, thank you very much. For more insights, blogs and analysis, you can visit our website www.global-council.com and subscribe to our mailing list. And you can follow us on Twitter at global underscore council.